Here's what's coming up in this week's episode of Together for Salem. What would be possible for you if you knew you were accepted? You knew you were loved. You knew you were liked and enjoyed by the one who matters most. What would life be like if you knew you were held securely in the hands of the one who can speak and then control all of nature? What would life be like if you knew that your life had an infinite purpose and you were empowered to live that life by God himself? What would there be to fear? What would there be to be afraid of? episode 44 of Together for Salem. I'm Monica. This is my husband, Aaron. He's busy doing the dishes. Welcome to our home. Welcome to church at home, church online for now. Uh, We've only been doing this for a little while now, but we thank you so much for uh, watching, for tuning in online um, on YouTube, Facebook. Maybe you're listening on the podcast. We just want to welcome you. This is our house. We are your hosts tonight, Aaron and Monica. And we're about to introduce you to our lead pastor, John Silva, with Cross Creek Community Church. Um, And he's going to be talking about part three of, ready? It's It's impossible. impossible. And (laughs) before we do that, though, uh, we just want to say a quick welcome. We want to let you know, as always, about our Welcome Form Online. It's just a great way for uh, us to get to know you and you to get to know us. A great way to start a conversation. We'll send you a free e-gift card for saying hello. Maybe you want a Bible, uh, you want some For Salem encouragement cards to let others know that they matter. It's a great way to, um, if you're paying it backward in the drive-through or you just wanna slip somebody a sweet little card. uh, They're really fun, they're great ways to do it. We'll mail them to you for free. Uh, Check that out on the welcome form. Um, You can also request prayer. Maybe ask questions, you've got questions about Um, what we've talked about um, in this episode or last episode about Jesus, the Bible, God, life, what it means to follow Jesus um, in these crazy uncertain times, that's what the welcome form is there for you for. So check that out. We're gonna come back on the other side. He's probably still gonna be working on those pans. Uh, But on the other side, we're gonna talk about our giveaways, but we wanna introduce you to John Silva and he's gonna talk to you about uh, Mark chapter four. We're excited. Check it out. All right, I need to admit this. I need to get it off my chest. I've never told anybody this before, but one of my biggest fears growing up was thunderstorms. Like I, re- I know it's not that big of a deal, but I remember that feeling, like hearing the first rumble of thunder like it was this heart sinking terror i could feel the the heat in my ears come hearing that first thing of of thunder or even just seeing like the dark thunder clouds coming it was something i couldn't explain i still can't explain exactly why but it just terrified me like just these thunderstorms would scare the heck out of me i think it 
it made it worse knowing that like I had no control over it. There was no, I had no power to stop these things from coming. There's nothing like you can't stop the thunderstorm, right? See, I, I love thunderstorms now, but <laughs> I've noticed this same terror, the same fear feeling as an adult. And maybe you have too. For example, um, back when I used to really care about politics and the candidate I was really for lost or the government, whoever was in charge, made decisions that I disagreed with, there was still that same familiar feeling that I had when I was a kid of this fear that I had no control or no power over what was going to happen to me. And so maybe, I know you've never done this, but I would obsessively listen to the news or watch or read the news to have this sense of some kind of control. Like if I knew enough of what was going on, then I would have some control. Or I would argue with people. Like when I was a teacher in the teacher's lounge, I would argue with other teachers about politics so I could have at least some control over trying to change them. Never worked. But I know some of you, some of us, are living through unimaginable impossibilities right now. Things we have no power over. Things we have no control over. Whether it's jobs or, or money issues, sickness, relationship issues like our marriage or our kids or our parents or our friends or our, our lack of those things. Maybe it's the question of will your heart ever heal from the loss you've gone through in the last year or so? It seems impossible that anything can be done. I mean, after all, like if we're honest, right, we have no control, no power over these things. And the truth is, our lack of control and power creates a fear that seems impossible to conquer. Think about that. It's true, right? Our lack of control and power creates a fear that seems impossible to conquer. And then add on top of it, if we believe that there's a God, then these impossible situations make it seem like God doesn't care. Because God could stop it if he wanted to right? Like I remember think, praying, God, please stop these thunderstorms. And he never did. But I mean, it's, it's worse with even harder things in life, like the real things in life. He could stop them if he wanted to, but he doesn't. And so it seems like he doesn't care, right? See, life's cares and difficulties make it difficult to believe God cares. Life's cares and difficulties make it difficult to believe God cares. That might be why you gave up on Christianity. Why maybe you gave up on God? Because you went through something impossibly hard. It wasn't your fault, but you had to go through it. And you questioned God. And in those questions, you couldn't find any good answers. And I think that's fair. I think that's, like, I don't blame you for the choices you made in that, in that time. Because these feelings, these questions, these angry feelings sometimes, they're not new. In fact, they're part of the human experience. Thousands of years ago, here's what King David of David and Goliath wrote, feeling the exact same feelings. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? He's kind of got the, the angst of a, a dramatic teenager. Will you forget me forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. 
Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. Pretty common feeling, right? Have you ever felt that way in the hard times and it feels like God's not there or not listening? But here's the thing. God became a human to answer these questions. God became an ancient Jewish rabbi to show us the answer to these questions. And the impossible things he said and the things he did to back up what he said, the impossible things he did to back up the impossible things he said, showed us who God really is. See, the truth is, Jesus did the impossible to show we can trust him with our impossible difficulties. Jesus did the impossible to show we can trust him with our impossible difficulties. Let me, let me try to prove it to you. It's, I want to look at a story in the book of Mark. And in this, in this account of Mark, this eyewitness account of Mark, we, most people think it's um, Peter talking to Mark, telling Mark the story of Jesus' life, eyewitness account. In this, in this scene that we're talking about, kind of early on in Jesus' ministry, he's been teaching a lot. And he's been doing some miracles. He healed a, a man with leprosy, even. And so he's growing these crowds around him. And so he decides to take a break. And he says, hey, let's go on a boat ride. Take a nice little break. So the disciples thought. And here's how the, the story goes. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. I think that's an interesting little thing. I mean, just as a side note, that it says there's other boats that followed, meaning like what we're about to read, it's not just the guys in the boat who made up the story or relayed the story to people. There were other boats around looking at this boat to see what actually happened. Kind of interesting. Anyway, the story goes on. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and began to, and it began to fill with water. And we know that some of the men in the boat, like Peter and James and John, they were experienced fishermen. They lived on the water. They were probably fishing and being in the boat with their dads before they could even walk. They knew what they were doing, yet the boat's starting, starting to sink. This is a serious storm for these guys. And here's, here's what happens. Jesus was, so the boat's filling with water, big storm. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Isn't that what it feels like often? Think about it for you. Isn't that what it feels like when the waves start crashing in on our lives? Right? We might, the, the, the waves, the storm of our life, if you will, might start small, like, like a small wind, right? Oh, I've got this. You know, this is a difficult period right now. We're in a season of difficulty. <laughs> I've got this. But then the waves get bigger. Like, uh, we better start rowing. We need to start thinking about what we're going to do here. But then the waves start crashing over the boat. And we start grabbing any bucket we can find to help us bail us out of the situation. But it's still not enough, is it? See, when we are faced with difficulties, our fear convinces us we have to do something. When faced with difficulties, our fear convinces us we have to do something. But when we feel like we have to do something and all these waves are crashing in on us and we don't know what to do, but we got to do something, what usually happens? It just makes things worse, doesn't it? Interesting thing is that there's studies that show that fear physically hinders our ability to think. It actually lowers, the fear actually lowers 
our IQ. It messes with our brain. And so when there's that fear coming, it's not the time to make decisions. It's not the time to make choices. And so while all this is happening to the disciples and the boat's starting to sink, and maybe in your life you felt like your lifeboat was starting to sink, what's Jesus doing while they're working so hard, while we're working so hard to kind of keep things afloat? He's just taking a nap on a cushion, making sure he's super comfortable. Right? Doesn't it ever feel like your life is sinking and all Jesus is doing is really like taking a nap? Like, Jesus, where are you? Like, you said you'd take care of me and all of this is happening. What are you doing? Why are you so tired? Wake up and help me. And so we scream and we freak out just like the disciples do. Here's what they do. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Don't you even care that I'm dying here? Like, where are you? Do you care at all? You've left me here alone. Everything is falling apart. I'm working so hard, bailing my life out, trying to row to the other shore. Why aren't you doing anything? See, we often mistake Jesus's calm quietness for indifference. We often mistake Jesus's calm quietness for indifference. He's calm. He's cool. He's quiet. And we think that means he doesn't care. Think about it. What do you <laughs> what do you think the disciples expected Jesus to do? You ever if you're familiar with this story, you ever ask that question like, why did they wake him up? Did they expect him to apologize? Oh man, I'm so sorry I got you guys into this mess. This is my idea in the first place. Sorry. Did they expect him to join their panic? Oh my gosh, we're gonna drown. This is horrible. Or Jesus, wake up and get to work. That's usually what I think. Get up. Get to work. You need to help us bail. You need to help us row. I mean, you're a carpenter. You got some muscles. Let's row. Or maybe they thought he would do what he does, did often with them. Pray. Like, tell God to knock it off. They could have never guessed, and they never in a million years would have guessed what was actually about to happen, what he was actually about to do. A little side note is that nobody believed Jesus was God. See, you can tell. Nobody believed Jesus was God until he actually died they saw him die, and he rose again. And you might know how this story ends, if you've heard this one before. But this is a true story. They didn't know how the story was going to end. They didn't know what Jesus was about to do. They didn't know if they were going to make, make it out of this alive. Just like for us, we have no idea. When we are in the middle of our difficulties and our trials and our life storms, we have no idea what Jesus is planning to do with our own story, with our own storms. And so here's what Jesus does. They would have never guessed it. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Okay, stop there. Because if you were in that boat, like right now, if you went crabbing on the coast and you had this storm and you say to your buddy, hey, we're about to drown. There's a big storm coming up. And he stands up and he's like, talking to the wind and the waves, silence, be still. What would you think? This guy's lost his mind. But here's what actually happens. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly, Mark loves these action words, by the way. If you read Mark, that's just, he's always like, and then suddenly, and, and all, the, all of a sudden, and anyway. Suddenly, the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Suddenly a great calm. Jesus wasn't indifferent. He wasn't unaware of what was going on. He was working in his own timing. 
He's like a wizard, like Gandalf said. He's never late, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. Jesus does the impossible in his own time and manner. When we take our impossible to Jesus, we're like, Jesus, do something. Jesus does the impossible in his own time and manner, which might be, I'm just saying might, I don't know your story, but might be why you didn't see what he did in that storm you're thinking of, and that difficulty you lived through. Because he didn't do it in your timing. He didn't do it the way you wanted him to. But he still acted in some way. Think about it. It's Jesus. He could have calmed the storm when there was the first cloud. He would have been like, nah, not today, cloud. Or he could have completely prevented the entire thing. Right? They, he could have com- completely prevented it. And so these guys would never have had to go through all the fear and all the the anguish and the anxiousness of having to go through it. He didn't. He's If he's God, he's the same God that split the sea for Moses. He could have like split the water and they could have just walked out carrying the boat on their shoulder. Or, as we'll see in, in later stories, if you keep reading, Jesus could have just like hopped out of the boat, grabbed a rope, and walked on the water and pulled the boat to shore. But he didn't. He had his own timing and he had his own manner in his own perfect plan. And so, think about it. Put yourself, try to put yourself in that boat, right? The, you're about to drown. Your, your rabbi is sleeping on a cushion, being super comfortable. Wakes up, he's like, knock it off! And everything just goes silent and calm. What just happened? What would you be? Who is this guy, right? They're just stunned. There's silence all around them. They hear, like, maybe the seagulls gutting off the water and and squawking. And so Jesus breaks the silence with an obvious question. Well, it's probably obvious to him and maybe obvious to you if you you know the story, but it wasn't obvious to them. And so he asks, then he asks them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why? Like, think about it. He's like, why are you guys afraid? And they're like, well, I, uh, the, uh, the waves, you see, they, uh, and Jesus looks around, and he looks around at the sky, and he's like, well, I don't see anything, and looks at the waves, and he's like, why are you afraid? <laughs> Maybe he's chuckling, right? I picture Jesus with a little slight smile in this one. And it goes on, it says, the disciples were absolutely terrified. You think they were scared of the waves? This guy just told them to shut up, and they did, and they're terrified. Wouldn't you be? Think about it. They had no idea what's going on here. And then, disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. And that's kind of the whole point here is, why were they afraid? That question, why are you afraid? Why were they afraid? And we see the answer. Mark gives us the answer, I think, in the two questions he has the disciples ask in this account. Remember the first question they asked when they woke Jesus up? Do you even care that we're going to drown? Do you even care? Don't you care? And then, here, who is this? Who is this man? See, our questions often reveal the foundation of our trust. Our questions often reveal the foundation of our trust. Why is this happening to me? Why doesn't God do something with this? What am I going to do? How will this ever improve for me? What if blank? 
happens to me, those what ifs. See, our questions often reveal that our trust is not founded on Jesus. Right? Our, our questions often reveal that we believe he doesn't care and that we have to try to do it ourselves, try to do it on our own. The disciples didn't understand. They didn't know who was actually in the boat with them. They didn't know the reality of Jesus' identity, and they didn't know the depth of his care. He asks, why are you afraid? And his answer to them is, because you don't truly know who I am, and you don't truly know how much I care. And I think that's our question today. My question to you, Jesus' question to all of us, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? What impossible storm is blowing in your face right now? What impossible storm is trying to swamp your boat right now? Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Do you know who is with you? Why are you afraid? Don't you know who is with you? The one who died and rose again is with you. The one who calmed this storm we're reading about. The one who created nature with his word. The one who healed diseases, raised the dead. The one who has all authority in heaven and on earth is with you. Think about it. If you believe he died for you, if you believe he did the impossible and took the punishment for your sins for you, went through all of that for you and rose again for you, why would he let go of you now? Why would he just go through all that and be like, ah, now you're on your own. <laughs> See, the thing is, the, the storm didn't catch him off guard, right? This trip was his idea. He knew there was a storm was going to come. He allowed it to come. And then he knew what he was going to do and freak these guys out by showing who he actually is. The storm didn't catch him off guard. The political turmoil we've lived through. The pandemic we're living through. The racial tensions we've seen. The economic troubles that have been coming on all of us. Even online school hasn't caught him off guard. Don't you know who's with you? And one thing, the, the fear and the anger that we've been seeing on both sides of the political spectrum for the last few years, and especially lately, I think it shows that many who say they trust Jesus have forgotten who it is they say they trust. They've forgotten who it is they say they follow. They've forgotten who he is. See, Jesus is in the boat with you right now. Jesus is in the boat with us right now. And he's not actually napping. He's in control. He's been in control the whole time. The sicknesses we deal with, the hardships we deal with, the separation we've been dealing with have not caught him napping. He is in it with you. And think about it. If he's in it, you can stop being afraid of it. If Jesus is in it, you can stop being afraid of it. And so, do you know who's with you? And maybe my question to you is, is he with you? Do you know him? Do you actually know who Jesus is? Have you... Have you accepted his gift of a new life, of a life that can be free of fear and guilt, a life of acceptance and love and knowing that God likes you? So I would say, 
reach out to us. Info at yourcrosscreek.com and say, I want to know more about Jesus. Or maybe just a simple prayer. God, show me that I can trust you. In whatever way that is, I will keep my mind open to your timing and your manner. Show me I can trust you. But then the other question of why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Do you know Jesus cares about you? Do you know that Jesus, that Jesus, cares about you, you watching this? listening to this. Do you know that you were created on purpose? You're not an accident. God chose to make you. Do you know that he died to bring you back to him? He died so that you could be his child. and He came back to life to show you you can have new life. God is not mad at you. In fact, God loves you. And not just because he has to. See, God loves you and he likes you. He gave you that personality and those quirks and all those things that make you you. He likes you and he cares about you. Here's what Jesus said. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you, 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 aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? God cares about you. He loves you and he likes you. Do you know how much he cares? Now this might be cutesy and it rhymes and whatnot, but I think this is one of the largest, biggest truths in the universe. And it's something you could tattoo on your arm and you would not regret it. When Jesus is here, there's nothing to fear. When Jesus is here, there's nothing to fear. Think about that. He can calm the storm with just his words. They recognized his voice because he had created them. When Jesus is here, there's nothing to fear. Imagine what life would be like if we could remember that, if we could tattoo it on our hearts. What would be possible for you if you knew you were accepted? You knew you were loved. You knew you were liked and enjoyed by the one who matters most. What would life be like if you knew you were held securely in the hands of the one who can speak and then control all of nature? What would life be like if you knew that your life had an infinite purpose and you were empowered to live that life by God himself? What would there be to fear? What would there be to be afraid of? Because trusting Jesus makes peace and confidence possible in the midst of the impossible. Trusting Jesus makes peace and confidence possible in the midst of the impossible. And so we can, we can talk to God just like David did and end our questions with trust. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me.
Thanks, John. Uh, that Psalms passage is worth a, a reread later this week, uh, trusting Jesus, um, even when we're afraid. Uh, very good, timely words. And we appreciate you. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, those, um, those are some of the main points that John talked about are going to be discussed in small groups. We call them connect groups this week. So if you've been watching for a while and you're not in a connect group, you can join a connect group. We have room for you in those groups. Some groups meet um, virtually. A few groups meet um, in person. So we have options for you. You can fill out a small group sign up on the welcome form. That's right. That's right. So we'd love to have you. That's right. We're going to do a giveaway next, yes. which we do every week. We've done like 44 times. I don't think it ever gets old. No, it's always fun to give stuff away. Yeah. And this week it's to Cook's Stationery. Yep. So Cook's Stationery has been around since 1935 in Salem, Oregon, which is quite incredible. Yeah. Um, actually, I took my sons in there today and we, we bought some things and Jonathan has already been using his sketchbook and he drew some really sweet um, doodles yep. in his sketch pad. Uh, but I would suggest if you haven't been to Cook's, hit that spot downtown. It's great. And they have a place um, for collecting donations to Free Fridge Salem, which is a really oh, cool yeah. grassroots movement um, to help people out. So check it out. Uh, the winner is Bumble Reap. Bumble Reap. Congratulations. Thank you for entering. All of you who entered our giveaway, Bumble Reap, you're the winner. That's right. Yeah. Though you're all winners. Yes. In a sense. All of you get participation trophies, but only one of you gets the $25 gift card. That's right. And the participation trophies are virtual. Yes. Here you go. You're welcome. You're welcome. What are we giving away this week? Ah, there's another spot downtown. We're just hitting all the downtown, downtown. spots. Downtown. Downtown. Gov Cup. Governor's Cup is another long-standing, amazing business. Uh, they roast their own beans. They sell loose leaf tea. They sell bagels and schmears. Uh, check it out. They have seating outside, yeah. uh, but you can also take your coffee or your tea or your whatever's to go. I also went there this week. It's a great place. You can stroll around the yeah. downtown with your coffee. Yeah, check it out. Governor's Cup. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's on Court Street. So we're gonna give away $25. And How do you people enter? Online, on the social medias. Excellent. Or they can email. If they don't want to be on social media, which that's totally understandable, you can send us an email and say, hey, enter me to that Governor's Cup $25 giveaway. Or just, it's really early, need coffee. <laughs> right. Is early need you coffee. You could even comment on the YouTube video, maybe even, okay. or the Facebook post. Sure. Love or smiley face or... That's it for us. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say? No, but these questions are coming up. You should check those out. They are. And thank you for doing dishes. Oh, you're welcome. That's amazing. It wasn't that bad. Yep. Questions are coming. Kids content online. You can donate online. We're gonna go have dessert. That's great. Yep. Let's do that. Church at home, it's a wrap. That's right. See you guys next week. Wrap it up. Bye.